0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's the Low and Is Chargers podcast.
1: Welcome back to the Believe in the Chargers podcast. I'm joined by Chargers legend Lorenzo Neal, and we have a special guest today, Kasim Osgar, Former Chargers special teams player. Ozzie! I was more like the janitor of the team. You
2: know, Lorenzo would go out there, <laughs> party. You know, they do their right. thing on the field. You know, get the, the accolades. And then, you know, special teams come out there. We like the dust mop and the broom. You know
0: what I mean? What Hey, what whatever. You Every are team a, needs a d- dust whatever. mop, though. You are a special teams legend. You are a special teams guru, a special teams phenomenon, special teams... You would be if you were if you were a if you were a a dish. You would be caviar, baby, because you was fine and so <laughs> delicacy. You were just that guy there, man. You would be fine. That's right, Kasim I was good. We talk about we talk about football. We talk about different offense, defense. I know they get a lot of the praise. Tell us a little about special teams. What does it take to be a special teams player? Uh, basically,
2: you gotta have uh, one screw loose two cleats wrapped on tight, and make sure you bring your mouthpiece. <laughs> it's it's going to be a knuckle-up hit from day one. Um, <laughs> i say it's, just a, it's a different type of role, um, essential to the team's success, essential to to winning field position. There's a lot of hidden yardage in field position uh, in special teams, and a lot of times certain teams just kind of put it to the side because they're so focused on offense and defense. Where that, Those are teams that kind of get to the playoffs and lose first round. Um, yeah. you a lot of depth on your team you take your your core guys your linebackers your, your defensive backs your wide receivers your running backs guys that are going to make the 53-man roster and in order to be active on game day you got to get out there and cover some kicks so yeah uh, it's 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 some dirty work uh it's a lot of, a lot of danger out there you know, the, the excitement level is really high for me i was always a high strung kind of guy i like offense uh good at defense but i'd rather play offense just because you know like Controlling the ball, but especially teams is that sort of middle ground where you could you could be the offensive player, but you got to go out there and hit people as well. It's kind of yeah. like the middle, you know, being a fullback. Fullback's like the, the the big toe on the foot. You know what I mean? You see it, it's there. You know it is. It's important. You take that fullback right. out off of that toe. I mean, the foot's no. it's not really effective. You know what I mean? So, that's uh, just part of football that you really need to have on the game, but people don't pay attention too much to it. But
0: it's it's vital. No, you, you're, you're absolutely right, I mean, you're, you're talking about just like special teams in general. You know, with COVID-19 and it's a different type of year this year, you see kind of what's going on, training camp, no OTAs, uh, you know, no no preseason games. How hard is it, you think, for guys to make a team now with no OTAs, no no preseason game? What are some of the things that you have to do to make a special teams and how do you think uh, coach Lynn is dealing with the chargers and finding those diamonds in the rough like the Kasims, Osgoods goods to go on to be a have an unbelievable hall of fame type of special teams career. How do you find those in situations like you're in now? Coach Lynn's a smart man.
2: Uh, I had a chance to sit down and talk with him. He's a, he's a great guy, great individual. His, his mindset is very positive. Um, he's the kind of person that I can, I can just watch his coaching style. He makes the most out of what he has, and uh, when you have a young team coming into the season with no OTAs, no training camp, you have COVID-19, you have uh, the economy the way it is, people's family members are struggling out there. Um, you're, you're distracted on the field, you're distracted off the field. It's just, it's a it's a, a no-win situation for a young guy. So when you have a younger team, you have to rely on your veterans, you know, and they, they lost Philip Rivers. So, you know, replacing that that piece of the puzzle is, is huge. So, I mean, they had their work cut out for them this year, but I think that with – with the coaches that they have, I know that they'll be able to find a way to press on because they had to deal with um, adversity last year being in, in, a, in a stadium that they want, didn't want to be in, uh, having issues with uh, going into season with the season with the stadium, sharing with the, with the Rams, um, adjusting in Los Angeles. It's a lot of things that they've had to deal with already. So I think that they're, they're coming in already knowing how to deal with adversity uh, forward, but I think with – with special teams, if these guys can go out there and just have the mindset that, you know, there's not a lot of ways to make a team in the NFL. And one way to be on a team to be stable is to be on special teams. So if you can find the guys on on the team that understand that concept, that principle, I think you can build on that. That's, that's like it's like mashed potato. Yeah. It's a staple product on
0: your plate. No question, no question it is. And and, and, and with that being said, though, you know, like we talked about COVID-19, something we've ne- we never seen this country's experience and you're talking about special teams. We talk about offense counts as a third, defense counts as a third, and special teams is a vital part. But how do you get that? I mean, you would. Uh, we knew when we'd watch special teams, bam, you would come down and get a big hit. You know, it wasn't necessarily wasn't necessarily the guy on offense that you know would ca- go catch a hundred balls. We knew that. But watching you on special teams, get down there and get and hit someone in a, a special teams game. Watching you playing punt forcer and you know playing at the forcer position. And seeing you on the punt team, a double team—they run you out of bounds. You come back in, get a tackle. Watching those things happen in preseason in four games, Sims—that was one of that. That was your staple. That's what made you. But I'm just saying. How do you think they're going to be able to emulate that type of play with, with, no, with, no, with a training camp, of course, but with no preseason games? I mean, the team would stand on the sideline, Kasim, you knew it, and, and watch Kasim. They're like, okay, watch Osgood. You know, we'll see what he's going to do. And it was crazy because I thought that was one of the ways that you were able to you know find your, your niche in the National Football League. But it's going to be tough this year, don't you think? Or And how are teams going to be able to adapt with that?
2: Yeah, I think special teams are going to be the chopping block for a lot of players this year, seeing as, you know, the, the veterans that are there, that are polished, that know the game, the playbook, that have the camaraderie with the team, that have the, the chemistry with the quarterback, those guys are shoe-ins for their positions, you know, our, our linebackers that uh, they, they know the play calling, they know their their blitz package, they're already in, they're polished, ready to go. I, I don't see a lot of young guys coming in and, and um, uh, unseating a lot of the uh, incumbents, so this is going to be a proving ground for a lot of these young guys to get out there on the field. Can you cover a kick? Do you know what to do on special teams? Uh, there's a lot of schemes that you don't have a lot of time to practice for. That you have to get out there and actually run full speed 40 yards into somebody. So, you know, I think you're going to see a lot of either man up or you're, you're gone right away. Uh, it's going to be a different type of uh, cutting block this year where the curve has been sped up a little bit. So uh, I'm anxious to see how some of the young guys are going to do because uh, I know – for myself, I came in as a young guy, and there were stellar athletes ahead of me. You know, you had Tim Dwight, Rashe Caldwell, um, David Boston. Um, it's just, I mean, it was never-ending. There was always a star receiver that was ahead of me that I had to get out there and say, what am I going to contribute to this team? How am I going to make a name for myself? What's important to me? For me, being important, what was important for me was being on the field, being able to play, being active on game day. I, I couldn't stand around and be a fan. I remember Izzy asking earlier, he's like, "Are, you, are you, you pay attention to basketball? So I've never been a fan of anybody in sports. So I respect what people do. I admire people's abilities, or what they do. But as far as like watching, I can never do it. And for me, being on the sideline is the most troubling thing is that I'm one of those active type persons. So especially it was a way for me to say, you know what, as much frustration as I had of not getting in there, getting the ball, being the star receiver, I'm not going to let that discourage me from being able to go out there and show people what I can do. Because I can contribute a whole lot more than just catching the ball. You need me to knock somebody out, then I'll line up and you know, do the lights out dance and, you know, get out there and make a hit. But, um, I mean, just when you have your guys that – you respect guys like Lorenzo in the locker room. So, I'm not going to go out there and say, oh, this kick doesn't mean anything to me. Because if that field position is going to help us be able to score the ball fa- – uh, score faster, then I'm all for it. And it's, it's, it's having that selfless mentality is kind of like special teams. It's, you know, you might not get the reward right away, but you'll see the effects of that, that play later on in the game when you're winning.
1: Yeah, and what do you want to tell these undrafted free agents or even um, college or high school players who don't want to be on special teams because, like you mentioned before, they want to be the star players, but they have to prove themselves on the field before they actually get playing time?
2: Yeah, I remember Lorenzo telling some of the young guys on the team, Jay, man, everybody's a man here. You know, don't, don't get it twisted. You're not walking into a field where you're the only one who knows how to play football. Everybody's up there from the highest levels, from the best schools, the best talent, and they get trimmed down in the roster, and then you're with the cream of the crop. So it's, it's the hubris that people have that they say, oh, you know, I'm the best, I should be getting the ball. And then you look over to your left, you look to your right, and these guys are phenomenal athletes. You have to either – humble yourself and say, I'm going to get in how I fit in, or you can just fight the system and say, I'm better than everybody else and I'm going to prove it. Now, either way is going to take a whole lot of work, but one way is a, is a lot more um, when you do it with humility, you see that you, you earn your teammates' respect a little more. And football is not just about going out there and showing what you have. It's going out there and being able to fit into a family and contribute and to, to watch the, the family grow as a whole. So for the young guys, I would say, don't fight a system that's been in place for 100, over 100 years. You know, football's been around for a long time, and, and football is what it is. A lot of people try to change the game and that aspect of it. There's one thing that you can't change, and that's that's team first. Like, there's no player on the field that's bigger than the team itself. So if they say you need to go down and cover a kick, you cover that kick and go make that block. Um, go grab a towel for one of the players to come off and wipe his hands off if it's a rainy game. Keep the balls dry, you know what I mean? Make a spot on the, on the, on the bench for somebody to sit down and get retaped. It's it's small things like that when you're doing a service to others on the team that you find yourself being respected by your teammates, earning the respect of your coaches, and they say, I can't cut this guy. This guy's a team guy. Everybody loves him. His morale boosts the locker room when we're down at halftime. People look at him, and they say he's going to come out and make a huge play. So we need that guy on the team because I need that kind of spark. I know um, Harbaugh told me once uh, in the locker room after one of the games, I I think I blocked a kick versus Seattle, and – yeah, I mean, he was teasing Lorenzo. I remember you, you were talking to uh, to Harbaugh that game. He said, "Man, I don't know what I'd done if uh, Lowe didn't tell me about you." He said, "Because we sure did need that kind of that aspect on the team, but we just didn't have it, and I don't know where to find it." But I'm I'm sure glad you're on the team, and to, to hear words like that from the coach, it makes it feels pride in me for, for doing the small things. Cause, uh, I think it was Marty Schottenheimer that said that: "Know your role and do your job."
0: And if you have right. those
2: two things, then I mean, you're you pretty much stay in the league for a long time.
0: You know, because I'm just stay there kind of in that space. And and, and when you, you know, you know, like a fullback, you know, I'm finding my niche. The Danian, you know, Phillip Rivers, all those guys, they were stars. And, you know, a lot of guys were stars, but you were star special teams. What was that like to know that you played a position that are, you know, so many different places from punt team to punt return team to kickoff to kickoff return? Every single special team, uh, uh, special teams you were on. But to be a star, to get voted to the Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl after Pro Bowl, how was that like to be recognized amongst your peers doing a job that people don't really know and see, but to be a great at it? I mean, think about you're, you're the best special teams player in the league. Is that, sometimes is that surreal? When you, did that ever hit you or, or, or no? Uh, it, I don't think it didn't hit me until they started changing the rules because
2: it was just – you know, when we would line up on kickoff and I'd line up, I'd probably like the five-yard line and get a running start and run all the way the whole length of the field down to cover a kick. Uh, I guess it was getting too much momentum, so the hits were getting too crazy. I mean, it, I think it all started when Sean Merriman got onto the team. where He was just hitting people and just the, the whole aspect of how hard can you hit somebody. And I said, you know, these guys are having fun on, on on defense, you know, hitting people, rallying, partying. And then you had Lorenzo and LT where, you know, you're playing the Broncos and it's a – Pound it out. We got to get there. Actually, you know what? I do have a story. It was uh, Cleveland. And I remember I was in there. We were playing Cleveland in Cleveland. It was snowing. I think it was like minus 10. (laughs) We had to run 26 power 13 times in a row. And myself and Lorenzo had to double team Robert Griffin. And it was just over and over again. And he knew it was coming. And the coach living from the sideline, said, we're running it again. Just keep running it, so everybody knows what the play is. And I have to come in motion, down, tighten down to the tight end to come and hit the safety and double team with Lorenzo on from linebacker to the safety, literally 13 times in a row. And I said that right there is smash mouth football. But when you get on special teams, special teams is like recess. I mean, you never know. There is no. There's a. There's like a, a choreographed plan of what they want you to do. And then there's you're an athlete. Just go do something. And I like that freedom uh, with special teams. It was it was surreal to. Get block punts or get a double team and, and throw a guy on the ground, toss the other guy, then go down and make a tackle on the five yard line, and then you set your defense up for great field position. Um, a lot of times, I, I kind of forget the impact it was in the game until you have guys like um, ten years later after we're already done and. Uh, Lorenzo's all his hair's falling out. Um, You know, guys <laughs> are remind you, hey man, you
0: were wondering- this because you got yours, because you got yours painted in. This is because you got that freaking tattoo hair, dude. Come on, man, don't start, don't start. Yeah, that is not real, dude. Don't. This is start. real. It's no. not Deion Sanders, but it's real. No, yeah, yeah. Okay. He got the I D- got the DI going. Izzy, This dude wouldn't got that pencil down. but you know what they do? They put those tattoo and paint your hair. At least mine real. Okay. You're oh, talking boy. about microblading. Yeah, he yeah, got died. Yeah, you <laughs> Why you want to lie to the people, bro? Why you want to hey. lie to the Charger fan? This is the Chargers radio station. You, you, you family, let them know what you got done. Who your, do- who your, the, hair Charger, doctor is. The,
2: the Charger family knows me quite well. I've been a 619 <laughs> native for quite some time.
0: They know. I tell the truth. Yeah, you, know, <laughs> hey, you know, you, ball, you know, you a bald head dude. If your hair didn't even have a, come on, it's painted on there, baby hey
2: this, this is prp hair restoration yeah. in its finest my wife is really good at it the micro needling that they do with the, the prp uh i can never do that hair transplant stuff that's just not me it's not worth it i'll just go ball i'm cool with it
0: yeah no but. yeah you, yeah you'll go ball all right all right oh you'll go ball all right except when, when what what is it like on, on opening day you, you you look next week The team just got down to you know the 53-man roster what is it like the first week of practice? I, you know, this is now training camp's over. The haze in the barn. Chargers kick off on next Sunday. They have a game. What, what's 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 that? Tell the listeners and tell the Charger fans what what are those guys going through this week? What is football going to be like this week? But try to put yourself in that in that place, knowing that there's no fans you remember we'd come into the stadium and people are barbecuing and cheering and you, you know you're getting tickets for your mom and girlfriend and all the different things or whether wife or girlfriend or kid and now you're in a situation no one's in the stands no one's playing it's like nine on seven how do you think that's going to be this year what is your thought process you think during this week of practice kind of put yourself in a player's position once again and think about how the difference it's going to feel
2: you really have to have that love of the game. You have to have that self-motivation. Um, a lot of times uh, in a game where it's tough and you're playing your rival, or playing the Raiders and going back and forth, score for score, or a sack for a sack, that crowd will come in there and they'll hype you up and you'll get those chills down your spine. You're about to cover a kick at, at coming off a of halftime and you need to get the ball back. Um, there's times where the crowd can kind of get you pumped up. But not having that crowd, you have to rely on your teammates. You have to rely on your, your coaching, your skills. And you have to have that self-motivation. Um, for myself, I learned a lot of trash-talking from Lorenzo. So a lot of my trash-talking afforded <laughs> me the ability to tune the crowd out to sort of get into my own headspace and sort of, you know, attack other players and, and, and get that, that, that cerebral mind game going. But I, I know that the, the crowd has always been that, that, that driving force, especially for Seattle. I know they're – they rely heavily on their crowd, but for the Chargers, uh, our, our crowd was really amazing. I know um, back when we were in San Diego still, those last couple of years and we, were, we had those runs, I know that the crowd was a huge part of the success that we had. So I couldn't imagine playing a game without, without the crowd. I mean, you kind of, a lot of times, I, I know a lot of the players will understand what football means more not having the crowd there. You know, you appreciate the fans more. I was always a person who I would always take time to sign autographs and tell fans I appreciate them because they are what the sport is about. I mean, we don't go out there just to play the sport for ourselves, this sort of selfish uh, a- a- ambition. But I think, well, not having that crowd is really—it it definitely is. Uh, it'll affect some teams, some players. But you'll—you'll you'll see the guys that are really uh, really in tune to their body, really in tune to the game and uh, the fundamentals of uh, football. I think you'll see a lot of uh, a lot a lot of great football come come out of this.
1: Yeah, uh, ten years ago, I went to a Niners game. I'm pretty sure it was the Seahawks Thanksgiving game. I went to the back by the family section trying to get a signature from a fan or a picture or anything, and you were there, and my mom told me to go because I was nervous, like, around all these big NFL dudes. So you were one of the only players who was willing to take a picture with me, so I thank you a lot for that.
0: Oh, I was, thank you, Kashim. <laughs> How sweet of
2: you. I, I learned from Lorenzo. They said, right, number 41 in the program, number one in your hearts. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, but you, but 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 you are good, and I'm glad we're getting to have this conversation. You know, you are joining Kasem, Oz, Good, and Izzy, you know, and Lo Neal and we're just talking a little Charger talk, and talking about just the good old days, and also the present. Uh, you know, what is it? You know, like, uh, you know, to to sign autographs and to do those things, and uh, tell the tell the listeners out there that's all the billions, our billions of listeners listening to this. What's it like to to have that? you like altering where you're signing an autograph is there some things you want to share some moments a, a sign something you signed or a fan sent something into can you tell them something that you've done that you like man you didn't know it was going to have that type of sphere influence on someone
2: yeah um i was i, t- I tell uh, a lot of the young guys um the fame is worth nothing if you if you're keep it all to yourself um being accessible to, to fans, uh, to people. You never know who you're going to be uh, impactful on their life. Um, I, I think there was one time I just got picked for the first Pro Bowl and I was out celebrating in uh, Pacific Beach down in San Diego. And I think I bought, a, I bought 100, 100 beers for the whole bar and you know, 100 shots and just passed them out to people and saying hi, hey, have a listen? people are congratulating me and whatnot. And I'm just here, just drink the beers, have a good time. No football talk. Let's just talk, you know, life in, in San Diego. Let's just enjoy it. And I remember there's a guy in the corner. He was kind of by himself. He looked at that, that thousand yard stare. He was kind of, he was in the bar, but he wasn't there. And I walked over to him and I grabbed like five beers and put them out right in front of him. And I said, here, man, these are all yours. Enjoy it. Happy birthday, happy new years, whatever you're celebrating, you're celebrating. He's like, and actually, he's like, I was actually uh, got laid out from my job. My wife left me. She cheated on me with one of my best friends. And uh, my life is just in shambles right now. So I really don't consider myself wanting to live past the day. And this was just going to be my last little beer. He said, I don't know why I'm telling you this. And he started crying. He said, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but I, I just lost hope in humanity and people. I just thought that no one cares. He's like, the fact that you bought these beers, you don't even know my name and you're giving me beers and, and giving me hugs. He's like, "That you have no idea what you've done for my life. He's like, you you've re-energized me and given me a new focus. Like, it's not about my problems. It's about sharing life with everybody else. And yeah, that, that hit me because... It was a thing that I've always preached, but never really saw it. I just, you know, I go through the motions and, you know, I share with about sharing is caring, be there for people, talk to people, be human, don't don't be a, a public figure, be a person that people can reach out to and, and talk and ask for help when they need it. And um, I think it was always important to, to engage with fans, one, because your fame means nothing if nobody cares about you. And, you know, one day you're famous, the next day you're not. When you retire, the, the, the lights kind of get a little dimmer. You know, there's a lot less people that recognize you, you get older, you know, pot belly, kids start running around, you get in dad mode. Uh, it's not, you know, Kasim the football player anymore. It's Kasim the human. But I left a lasting legacy where I was always um, reachable by fans, where people would come and call and say, let's go hang out here. Or, let's go do this. Or would you mind coming and say happy birthday to my son? It's his birthday. Things like that are, they go a long ways on, on the the human element, the human side of it. And, it, and it, it it shows up more during this time of COVID where you get to be isolated from people and you lose that human contact and people start to feel frustration or isolation and they feel depression it's it's real If you don't, if you don't have human interaction, you know the, the human body is not designed to be alone so um, I think football is a uh, huge aspect that I think the community really needs. I think football opening back up and people having something to all come together and be a part of I think is re- really
0: good for the the healing aspect of our country Wow, wow, well said. Yeah, it's a really awesome story. It it really is. When you when you when you when you think about just you know the road and stuff that you traveled, and you think about okay where we're at and how it was when we played and now today, there's a different circumstance circumstances right now that's going on, K- Kasim. And we'd be remiss and we didn't mention it and talk about it. I think that you see basketballs, different sports. And you know, talk about racial, you know, equality and the different things that are going on, you know, in sports. And you played with a guy that I think that you know that uh, a couple of years back when you were in San Francisco with Colin Kaepernick, and there was a time, you know, with the kneeling and all the things that were happening. Where do you think Colin's message was? How did you see that at that time and how is it different from where Colin when Colin kneeled, how is it different from today? What has been the biggest change? what has been What is the biggest thing that you've seen in this process uh, where we're at now today compared to what Colin's message was several years back?
2: Um, I I think he, he stumbled into that message. Um, I think it's a great message. He allowed people to hijack it. Um, One thing you have to do is stand up for what you believe in. You can't partially stand up when it's something major like that. You have to stand up and be in full force. You have, if you're not a good speaker, you've got to learn how to be a speaker because your message is about speaking to people. And if you're not doing that, you lose the power of your message. I think he uh, had a little turmoil with his career in there, where he was starting and he wasn't starting. And then, you know, you know how the the media will spin that into just as they'll discredit his work and his message because of football. Football is a beast. You never want to compare anything in your life to football because football will always win because it just has that much volume to it. So I think he had a positive message, you know, there's, there's racial tensions in our country. I think for one, he could have done this when he was in the Super Bowl versus Baltimore. It would have been a great time to take a knee and say, I'm taking a knee for social injustice on the biggest scene on the planet, which is the Super Bowl. But, you know, I'm, I'm not going to knock him for his timing because you know what, things develop the way they develop. So it's, it's not, humans aren't perfect. So however the message came out is a great positive message that needed to be spoken about, that more people needed to adopt. People took it for granted what he was saying, and they didn't really give the whole volume of, of respect that it deserved. So fast forward to George Floyd being kneeled on. This is a waking up moment for people to say, yeah, this is really happening. You now, how, how bad is really happening and how, how skewed the, the uh, political aspect of it is and the numbers and the percentages? I don't know. I would never get into it. I don't want to discredit anybody's sure. feeling about the situation because it's a difficult situation to talk about. But the one thing is apparent there is reform that needs to happen. I don't think defunding the police is the proper way to do it. I think more about re, uh, re-educations, um, different training techniques, things of that nature sort of to better equip your police to handle the situations that they're dealing with. Because for one, they have a lot of issues with their their psychological aspect of it going into a, a job every day. Uh, my brother's law enforcement, so I see it firsthand, the effects and tolls that it can take on you emotionally and physically. But I think uh, coming together as a community and questioning our opinions as a, as a unified front, I think is more, more precious than going out there and writing uh, a lot of um, misguided emotions and people are politically hijacking this because it is during election year. So you got a concoction, a, co- a, a Molotov cocktail of emotions and, and race relations and things of that nature. But I do know one thing, you can't hide the truth forever. So God said, you know, where the truth is, there the light is. So the light's going to shine in the darkness. So it has to come out, you know, and I think Colin Kaepernick was the catalyst for the driving change for the, the, the racial aspect of it, and I think that it's, it's up to us to sort of rally around
0: him. Where if we're going to if we're gonna, if, if we're gonna do that, Kasim, so what would be your message? I mean, you got this is the Chargers, you know, you know, as a their station, it's a Chargers podcast we're doing, and we're excited about it. But Chargers are white, they're brown, they're black, there's no it's no it's no ethnic color. It's, we're we we rainbow. How do what is your message if you're you know to the to the millions of listeners out there? What is your message right now uh, of, of peace or un, uniting? What is the message you could just say? It's not just the whites, not just the blacks, not just but to everyone. What is your message uh, today that had just this stage and you were you know going to try to bring change? What would be your message to the people? If I was running for mayor i would have you know
2: <laughs> I think it, it, we're we're bigger than the the building blocks you know the the, the sum of all the parts is bigger than the individual components and I think race is a, a component of your your person your person of who you are your character but it doesn't define you um, I think the same thing goes along with the people who are in the um the LGBTQ community we all have to embrace them because they're humans. The humanity is there. That's the one defining factor that is equal amongst all of us. So if we can stay on equal playing field. We can learn to understand each other, to uh, develop uh, camaraderie, uh, community, um, bring oneness back together. I think we need to focus more on humanity versus race, versus uh, sexual preference, um, your ethnicity, things like that are, 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 they're factors that we can't control and they're factors that, people have decided for themselves to be so socially you have to accept everybody. And I, and I use the word have to, but I would say I would encourage people to open your mind to the possibilities of, of judging people based off of humanity, because I think you, you lose a lot of uh, you lose a lot of goodness in the world. When you sort of, you reduce people down to um, one, one defining factor, you lose the rest of the character. And just like how
1: athletes, they don't want to be defined about, what they do on the playing field, they wanna be defined out, what they do off the field too. So I definitely, definitely agree yeah. with
2: that. That's a huge aspect that people often overlook is that we we as a human species are reductionists. reductionist. We like to break things down to the smallest common denominator and then you know, judge it based off of that, where you lose everything else. Like I, I I bought a Ferrari, but I'm not gonna strip the frame off of it and then just have four wheels. You know, just that's not a car. You know, you want the whole the whole picture to, to appreciate it as a whole. I think the society needs to appreciate everybody as a whole.
1: All right, Kasim, before we let you go, I want to get your opinion about how you think the Chargers are going to do this season.
2: I personally think the Chargers are going to do good. Every time people count out the Chargers, the Chargers come back with something out of, out of left field. And I think that uh, Coach Lynn is a great coach. I think, he, I think he works on the fly. I think he's very good with, with change, with sudden change. And – San Diego's always been that – oh, excuse me, I keep saying San Diego. The
0: Chargers – Yeah, yeah it's, hard, it's hard not to, bro. Yeah, the, the, the
2: Chargers are that, that organization where they're, they're very, very feisty. And I, I'm part of that culture for a long time. And I do know that once you start counting them out, you know, you forget and all of a sudden they're there in the playoff mix towards the end of the season. So I wouldn't count them out. You know, I think, I think the Chargers have a lot of upside potential. And a lot of the players they have on the team are, are phenomenal athletes. And they're, I think their defense is going to be phenomenal this year that's going to be a team to watch this year is that defense to see what they do.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to see that defense, too. I know I drafted them on most of my fantasy team, so hopefully they get me points this year.
2: Definitely. I, I drafted Lorenzo Nero for my fantasy team. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, 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 right. <laughs> Simba, we have so many stories. We're going to have to do this again. They're, and, and, and you know, during the season, I know this week, uh, uh, September 13th, kickoff 105 against the Bengals uh you know we'll we'll definitely get into that and talk about you know games and matchups but we're going to have you on this year, again this season and we got to get in some storytelling some great stories some plane flights home uh just <laughs> tell the listeners about a bunch of crazy how we used to get crazy mm-hmm. all the wonderful things Let we'll pull, we'll pull back the blanket and uh and get a little crazy so want to thank get you for your, time. your sermons yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we just we'll we'll get some sermons going we got a long season You got to definitely just thank you for taking some time and jumping on the show with Izzy and I, and uh, we're going to do this again real soon.
1: Definitely. Definitely. Appreciate you guys. All right, Kassim, before we let you go for real this time, give me your prediction for the final score, chargers Bengals. I say 24-14, Chargers. Woo! All right. Hear that, Chargers fans? Be excited for that.